hey, can a dad vent? Can I, can I vent for a minute uh, to kick things off? You know what's currently bothering me in the world of dadhood? Video games. And I like video games, I do. But, but video games as we know them today, they're connected online and it drives me crazy. Like here's the deal, when I was a kid, uh, I, I was playing Nintendo, OG, mind you, original Nintendo, and I'd be playing some Super Mario Brothers, and if a boy had to go to the restroom or needed to go grab his Sunny D, not the purple stuff, you remember the commercial, uh, grab my Sunny D, I could, put, I could take my remote there, and there's a little black button in the middle, and you just press pause, and everything freezes, and you go do your business, and you come back, and you resume the video games. And uh, it, it's not that simple anymore, however, right? Because today, uh, video games are all connected online, and you're playing friends uh, down the road, across the neighborhood, across the world. You can play them all at the same time, up to 100 people at, at the same time. And so kids, and even grown men for that matter, are connected with people all over the world playing simultaneously so you can't necessarily just hit pause it's not it's not exactly an option and so as parents it drives us crazy because dinner will be ready and uh, we'll say all right guys uh, time to come to the dinner and the boys will be right in the middle of the video game and they say I can't I just I'm in the middle of this game and I remember the first time we said well just pause it they're like what you can't pause what are you talking about? You can't pause a, a, a video game. And uh, it drives us absolutely crazy. And so the food gets a little cold because we try to be gracious. Now we just say, sorry, we got to cut it off. And they come. What do, you, what do you mean you can't pause anymore? Is that ludicrous? That's so strange to me. I just, it drives me crazy. And I think whether you're a gamer or not, I think we all can kind of agree that this is oftentimes how we feel about life. Like pause? That's not an option. You, you, you can't pause. I don't want to miss out on an opportunity. I don't want my, my kids to fall behind. I don't, I don't want people to think that I'm a slacker because I'm not doing something. You know, I don't, I don't want somebody else uh, in my, my field to, to get ahead of me. I don't want them to get the upper hand. And, and, and yet when I was a kid, you could pause. There was a risk when you pause. You, you could pause. And, and on these two-player games, there was an option where if you pause, the other player sometimes in certain games could keep playing. And so you you go to the restroom and they would they would keep playing and, and so they would get the upper hand there was there was one little trick that you would do if you were the the player who the other person paused is is you could get an upper hand this way is you would come right up to the other player in the video game so that as soon as they hit unpause what do you do you punch him in the face right and so you got the you literally got the upper hand there however today here's what I want to suggest to you I want to suggest that if you were designed if you were would pause as God designed you to you get the upper hand. If you pause the way I believe God designed you to, you get the upper hand. Not that we're trying to kind of one-up other people. That's not it at all. But that, that you are better for pausing. And hopefully you've kind of gathered that through our, our, our series for the past few weeks, uh, that, that, you, that you're better for pausing. We are wired for it. Just like any device it's, it's got to charge, right? God has made you that way. You've got you've to charge up. And, and when you pause to get charged up, you're not going to get punched in the face. In fact, you're going to be more vibrant and you're going to live a more productive life. You'll be better for, for pausing. And so if you're just jumping in with us, we've been in this, this four-week series that we're calling pause if I haven't said it 20 times already today. And, and we believe that pausing leads you to a more vibrant, more productive 
life. You will be better. And, and this is our last week in this four-week series that I encourage you to go back and you can get them all on the app, get them all on iTunes, online. And uh, I, I've been calling us to pause. And I've heard really good reports from our connection groups that a lot of you guys are talking through this stuff and, and really working it out to where rubber meets the road. And I, I'm encouraged by that. But this week, as we close, I really want to get as practical as we possibly can. This week, I, I want us to establish rhythms for how we pause. Rhythms for, for pause. You get it? It's kind of ironic title, rhythm. No? Okay, anyhow. A, a rhythm, a strong, regular pattern of noise or sound or movement. That's Webster's uh, definition. And, and so we're saying, listen, let's pause the, the movement. Let's pause the noise in a rhythmic regular kind of fashion. And I want to show you, I want to show you God's design uh, for how you are uh, to do this uh, by just threading some scriptures here up front. So um, we're going to go all over the place, and if you, you're fast, you can do that in your Bible, or you can just look up on the screen here. But beginning in Genesis chapter 2, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3 at creation, here, here's, what, here's what we have. It says, thus, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now we've been coming back to this passage a number of times throughout our study in this pause series that, that God doesn't rest or pause because he needed to. He, he didn't get tired. God isn't served by human hands as though he needed anything, Paul, Paul says, at, at Mars Hill. But he does so to set for us a precedent. And he sets this day as a special day. This is holy. This is distinct. This is what we call creation mandate. Then we get to Exodus uh, chapter 20. Listen, uh, beginning of verse 8. This is the fourth of the Ten Commandments to the people, people of Israel. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So now what we see is not just in Genesis is it modeled, but now it's also commanded. Sabbath, which literally means to stop, to cease, or, or to pause. Do we have any why people in the room? You always want to know the why behind something? Like I can do just about anything if I believe in the why behind it. Well, the why here, he says, is because the Lord rested. Because he rested. This is a, a rhythm that God has set at creation. But then, New Testament, the Old Testament is fulfilled, and New Testament comes around, and, and God becomes a man, Jesus, and it seems as though he blows everything up. The Mosaic law is not binding on us anymore, that it was for a, a season to show us our need for a Savior. And so some of you are thinking, oh, that's, that's really good because now, like those modern video gamers, I don't have to pause anymore. That's awesome. I can be more productive. Wrong. Listen to Hebrews uh, chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 9. It says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from 
His. So if you are the people of God and you have His rest as the people of God, that's speaking to the the rest and the freedom that you get from trusting in Jesus, gospel freedom, you also rest from your works as God did from His. Again, another creation tie-in that we're going past the the Mosaic law and all the way back to creation mandate. That applies to all kinds of things in the the scriptures that we have to look at, like how how God wired uh, biblical manhood and womanhood. We go past Mosaic law to creation mandate. And so there remains for us who follow God Sabbath rest. And in the New Testament, though the law is no longer binding on us as Christians, we do honor a, a special day. And, and, and the Christians didn't call it the Sabbath any longer. They called it the Lord's Day. And instead of gathering on Saturday, they suddenly began to gather on Sunday because it was the first day of the week. The Bible speaks to them gathering on the first day of the week. That was the day that Jesus resurrected. I don't think it necessarily looks like this all the time. In fact, when you hear the story of the, the, that pastors will often bring you to in Acts where the Christians gathered on the first day of the week and, and then this boy Eutychus falls out of the window uh, he was asleep because Paul was preaching this really, really long sermon uh, it, up until midnight. Tells us that, that was that was actually for us Saturday night because the Jewish the Jewish uh, day started at at sundown, and so uh, we see that it doesn't necessarily look like this. But they did gather on the first day of the week because that was the day that that Jesus uh, resurrected. So there's a there's a quick theology of Sabbath, and and that it does apply to us today, to honor a special day, to, to rest uh, together. And, and so here's what I want to do from this point forward. I, I really, like I said, I really want to help us get practical. And so what I want to do is I want to give you for the rest of the time, if you're a note taker, I want to give you five beats, five beats that help us have a, a healthy rhythm of rest, that if you live out these five beats, you will do well. Put these on repeat, right? Five components that I believe will collectively lead to your thriving as God intended. And here's the first and most foundational one. The first and most foundational one, if you're taking notes, is a step of faith. A step of faith or responding to the gospel. Now listen, this one has to be up front as the primary, the most foundational step that you take, this most foundational beat. And so sticking with the, the rhythm theme, it's kind of like a metronome for musicians. Some of you know what a metronome is, some of, some of you don't, but a metronome is it clicks and it keeps you on beat. The old school version was this wooden pyramid looking thing on the top of, you've seen this, on the, you put on top of your piano and it goes back and forth and, and it clicks like that. The new school version, you can download an app and have a digital one right here on your phone and I, I got one I want to show you. Just listen to this. Five beats on this metronome. It's, it's a 5-8 time signature because of five beats. Check this out. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two. And you hear on this that the the emphasis is on the first beat. Because if you don't have the emphasis on the first beat, you you start to get lost. You don't know, am I on two? Am I on four? Am I on five? Am I on one? I don't don't know where I am. And so this, this emphasis on the first beat is really, really, really important. If you lose the accent on one, you get 
lost. And similarly, as we, we give you these five rhythms, if you lose the accent on this first primary one, you're, you're kind of, you're lost. You're lost. The, the accent has to be on gospel rest, on gospel pause. The gospel, that is the good news of Jesus. This is your first, most foundational pause. And we keep coming back to it. Back to Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 4. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Ultimately what this is speaking to is to us as followers of God, the people of God, to cease striving. To say, I'm not, I'm not striving anymore that I understand that my very best effort and my, my hardest work doesn't measure up. The Bible says it falls short of the glory of God. So I'm just going to pause. I'm just going to say, you know what? Hands up. Not me anymore. You, Jesus. Not my work. Your work, Jesus. I'm not trusting in me. I'm trusting in, in you and what you have done for me, Jesus. Your perfect life, because my life was imperfect. Your, your undeserved death in place of my deserved death. Jesus, I stop. You go. I trust in you. It's got to be the primary pause. It's, it's got to be the first and most loud repeating beat for our rhythms of pause. Gospel, 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 gospel. We're not talking about a style of music. We're talking about this life-changing, earth-shattering reality that Jesus has done for us what we couldn't do, that if we pause and we rest in him, then we can have confidence that we are in right standing with God. It's so important. This is our primary pause and all other pauses without this will be futile. Tim Keller says it this way. Check this out. He says, apart from Christ, you will work even when you are resting. With Christ, you can rest even when you are working. This pause is in everything for you as a follower of God, as the people of God. It is a, a heart posture. of, of it, it's, it's not as obvious as the deliberate pauses that we stop and put on our calendar, but it is in every moment, the way you think, I pause, it's not I, God, but you. It's the first. It's a step of faith that we have to take. And then we don't just move on and mature to everything else that the Christian faith calls us to. It's something that we, we take a step of faith in, but we keep coming back to. We are gospel people. Jesus, it's you. Jesus, I'm going to keep falling short. I pause. I trust in you. It is foundational, and it is free. We regularly come back to it. So first one, first beat, a step of faith, gospel. Here's the next beat, a Sabbath, a day. The next beat is a day, a step of faith, and then a day. Again, at the very beginning, God set apart a day to Sabbath, to cease, to pause. You should Sabbath once a week as a regular rhythm of your life. You are designed for this. My question for all of us is, do you do this? Do you do this? Every, again, so many people say, I'm the exception to the rule. I'm in college. I can't. I'm the exception to the rule. Again, you're not bound to the Old Testament mosaic law of, of, a, of, a, of a Sabbath rest per se, but we see that the principle remains and is applied and is then commanded again in Hebrews chapter 4. This is a day for us of, of rest, of renewal, of relationships. And, and I'm not even one to make a big deal about the actual 
day any longer. Because again, we're not bound as New Testament Christians. But we do see that the early Christians practiced doing this on Sunday. But it wasn't commanded for us that it has to be on, on Sunday. So I don't want to be legalistic about it. In our church family, we've got public servants who, who often have to work on Sunday. Well, still, you've got to find a day. And you've got to make that day a special day. A day of rest. I'm a pastor and I'm convinced that pastors have to take non-Sunday Sabbath days. You still have to rest even if you're a pastor. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 14 uh, verse 5. He says, one person esteems one day as better than another while another esteems all days. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Paul is saying, look, don't be legalistic about the day. Don't be legalistic about the day. Just take a day. You, you need a, a day. Now, I know that some of us in here right now, you are probably struggling with the concept of, of a day off, of, of time off. Some of us in here, not every, everybody, but some of us in here, you feel, feel like guilty at taking a day off. I wonder if you feel guilty when you take, let me ask you a question. When you fly, what does the flight attendant say going through uh, his or her routine there and says, in case of the loss of cabin pressure, if you are traveling with children, please put on your oxygen mask first, right? If you're traveling with a young child, you put yours on first. Now, at first, I'm like, well, that's really selfish, right? Save the child. No, here, listen, if you're dead, you're of no use to the child, right? And, and some of us say, you know, I don't want to, I, I think I shouldn't take a day off because I, I don't know, I just feel, I feel bad. I got kingdom work to do. I got people to help. And, and, and God is saying, listen, if you're dead, it doesn't matter. Like if, if you're so stressed out that you're useless, it, you're going to be no good to anybody. Do not feel guilty for taking a day off. Some of us feel bad for trying to relax. The Bible does speak of slothfulness. And, and yeah, you don't want to be that person. But the Bible also speaks of pride and of arrogance. And you don't want to be that. You don't want to be that either. Because here's the deal. At the heart of all forms of Sabbath is humility before God. Starting with the foundational Sabbath. Pause, right? It's, it's at the heart of it is humility before God. You're saying, God, I trust in you. I, I trust in you. And when I pause, I, I am reaffirming the one beat. I'm reaffirming the gospel that I, that I have, have banked my whole life on. And then with rested bodies and with rested minds, we can then return to work better and, and, and even more productive, right? You experience this, you come back from resting and you're better and you're more productive. It's very true, but, it, but it's, it's even more than that though. It's even more than that. It's more than recharging so that you can get back to work. Exodus chapter 20, when it was given uh, the Sabbath as a, as a command, it was, it was a day off for the Jewish people. Now, this was purely a Jewish practice. And across the rest of the world, they, they look on and say, that's weird. How could you possibly get, a, get away with that? You just didn't see that in other cultures, this regular day off. Back then, people were extremely agricultural. They were farming. They were, they were living off of the land. And if you took a day, think about this. If you took a day and you didn't attend to your land, your livelihood would be seriously affected. You business people in the room, you, you know that profit margin is extremely important 
You, you know that uh, productivity margin is extremely important. And so I, some, of, some of you in your workplace, you, you, you try to crack down on the, the, the days and, and narrow it down to, to hours and even narrow it down to minutes and save minutes, right? That productivity margin. For Israel, can you imagine cutting your work week back by one-seventh when Exodus 20 rolls around? Can you imagine that? doesn't make any sense. It's a massive step of faith. It could literally mean life or death, eating or starving. And by taking a day off, you were saying, listen, God, I believe that ultimately you are my provider, not me. It, it, was, a, it was a big deal. So, yes, you are resting for recharge, but you're also resting as a declaration. God, I trust you. You're reaffirming gospel. You're reaffirming, not me, you, God. I'm trusting in you, God. And oftentimes, Sabbath does seem like a, a step of faith. God, if, if I take a break, you're going to have to provide because there, I'm doing math. There's just not enough hours in the day to get it all done. And what happened with Israel when they did that? When they said, okay, we, we trust in you. That tiny little strip of land that tiny little country got the attention of the known world. The world looked at this, this nation and said, how are they prospering like this? So that the only answer was God, not our hands, not our work. We've trusted in God. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm here literally every single week. You know, for a pastor, Sunday sermon is like the unforgivable deadline. You got a 25-page term paper due every single week. Everybody else is relaxing for the holidays, and you're like, oh, snap, I got double duty. I got Good Friday and Easter. I got, I got Christmas Eve and Christmas, and, and it's, it's a lot of work, right? And so every single week for me, it's literally this, this like, God, am I going to trust you? Because there's always more to, to do on the sermon, more research, more writing that I could do for for Sunday, right? There's always more. And so literally every Saturday, it's, okay, I'm going to pause. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to be with my family. They need me. I, I want to I take this step of faith. And, and there's always that wrestle of, but I could, I could go pull up the laptop and the books and, and go back to the office, go to the coffee shop, do a little bit more. But God says, give them time. Give me time. Trust me. That's a step of faith as well, just to take a Sabbath day. So first, Step of faith, the gospel. Second, a day, Sabbath. And, and the next beat to make a, a, a good rhythm of, of rest is a vacation. Hello? Anybody? You glad I'm preaching that today? A vacation. I'm going I'm to talk about Jubilee here in just a minute. But, but you need to take longer periods of time to rest. It's a must. A long weekend. Right? We got a lot of people out right now. Long weekend, a, a vacation. Go to the woods. Go to the beach. Unplug from your device and, and focus and get rest and renewal and focus on relationships with God and with, with people. For, for God's people in the Old Testament, there were, there were two laws, two rhythms that, that worked hand in hand. In Leviticus chapter uh, 25, here's what it commands. It commands a Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee. Now listen, if taking a day off a week for those people in that agricultural culture was, was not crazy enough, there, there's a Sabbath year that's commanded. That is a year off every seven for the land. If you're a farmer, you give your land a break. 
You don't touch it. You leave it alone. And so after six years of working the land that God gave the people of Israel, year seven, the land was, a, it says, a, a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land. The farmers were commanded to let their land and let their crops lie fallow. And this actually, research tells us, that actually is a good agricultural practice. But can you even begin to imagine how much of a step of faith that was? Like, you're off. You're off. I'm just taking the, the, it was a huge step of faith. Additionally, it meant that the farmer, the family, the employees were not working that land. So there's this built-in rhythm of rest every seven years. You should go, you should go and read all of Leviticus 25 this week. Write that down as an assignment. It's intriguing. But then right after that, again, it just progressively, take a day off, I'll take a, a year for the land. And then right after that, in Leviticus 25, it talks about this year of jubilee. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? I'll take a year of jubilee. What is that all about? I want, I want, it says, after seven sets of seven years, or 49 years, in the 50th year, God declares this the year of jubilee. Every 50th year, what it says as you read this week, because you're going to do it, right? As you read this week, all bond servants and employees were to be freed. You're working off a debt that you owe, 50th year comes around, you're free. All prisoners, all captives, you're free. All people who, if you leased or mortgaged land, uh, all that land is, is returned back to the original owners. In the 50th year, the year of Jubilee, all debt was forgiven. All debt, so if you're going to do it, like year 48, 49 is perfect when you get yourself in debt and you rack up that credit card. All debt's forgiven. All labor stopped for an entire year. Can you even begin to imagine that year? That's, that's just unreal. A year of celebration, a year of rest, a year of restoration. Again, massive, massive step of faith on many levels. You really had to trust God to exercise this kind of year. And as you read about the, the year of Jubilee, it's, it's clearly a beautiful picture of the New Testament themes of redemption and of forgiveness and of freedom that comes in, in faith in, in Christ. And there's not necessarily a direct perfect parallel for us that for every 50 years, again, the, the law is not binding on us in that way. However, the, I, I think the principle here is time is good. Like an extended period of time is good. Strategic rest is good. Vacation is good and godly. Let, let me say it this way. A good vacation is intentional. You've got to be intentional to take a good vacation. It's not just like, hey, I'm going to do nothing. Just binge on some Netflix, right? You ever binge on Netflix and you come out of that coma and you just... You feel crappy, right? You feel horrible. You're, you're worse off than before. Obviously, uh, the year of Jubilee created some real challenges for banking, right? Can you imagine? Like all mortgages, you go back to the original owners. And, and so Leviticus chapter 25 addresses this issue and, and, and property uh, was substantially cheaper the closer it got to year 48, 49. Does that make sense? I mean, obviously, right? That, that just makes sense. And, and similarly, they were, they were very intentional about this whole thing, right? And, and similarly, a good vacation, the, taking the time off, that, that year, that, that two weeks or whatever your vacation looks like, that long weekend, it's intentionally planned. With the year of Jubilee and the sabbatical year, they, they had to plan 
to rest. They had to plan to rest, whether it was a vacation or, or just a, a Sabbath day. You have to plan. And so let me give you quickly aside four areas to think through when you're, 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 you're trying to, to rest. Four areas to think through. First is spiritual rest, relational rest, mental rest, and physical rest. You, you need to think through those four. Spiritual rest. You, know, you have to ask yourself, how am I best recharged spiritually speaking? So, so when you're trying to get some rest, vacation or a day, whatever that may be, think about, plan for, what am I going to read in the Bible? Is there a book that I'm going to spend some time digging through because that's some stuff I really want to grow in? Uh, am, I, am I really, do I thrive when I get alone with God in the woods and go on a, go on a hike? Not long ago, I bumped into one of our ladies at a coffee shop locally, and I was working, but she was on vacation, and she was psyched. And she rolls into this coffee shop, and she's got her Bible and a journal and a book, and she gets her latte, and she sits down like, what's going on? She's like, I'm so psyched. She's just gone through this long stretch of work, uh, getting a degree, and she was just so excited, and she was just, I'm just going to be with Jesus right now. And I said, that's awesome, right? She said, I know how I get a latte is good for my soul, right? Some of you, the woods is good for your soul. And, and you got to plant, know how you get recharged in the faith, right? Know, know how that works for you. Whether it's I'm going on a hike, a coffee shop, go to the Arboretum, I go on a conference, a retreat, whatever it is, recharge in the faith. Here's, here's the next one is relational rest. You've got to ask yourself, how am I going to focus on my relationships in this day or this, this week or this month or this year uh, of rest? You may have some relationships that need attending to. Some friendships you need to, you need to kind of reinforce. A, a marriage that need, you need to focus on. This marriage. You need to get some time alone with your spouse, right? Uh, you need to do that. Maybe you have some friends that when you're with them, they just fill your soul. If you've got family, you need to pause and, and, and figure out how you're going to encourage your spouse and how you're going to be with your kids. And I'll say this, splurge, right? Splurge. Like everyone's financial situation is different. If you can afford to go to Disney World, go to Disney World and don't feel guilty about it, right? Some people, have you ever heard people who are apologetic about their vacation? Because they're looking around and they're like, ah, they can't afford that. You splurge and don't feel guilty about it. If all you can afford is to save up all the money you got to get your family to the trampoline park in Hyde Park, do that and don't feel guilty about it, right? On vacation, if, if you can afford to go to Hawaii with your spouse, you do that, live it up. If you can afford only to go to the Berkshires, do that, right? Live it up, do whatever you gotta do, Right? That's important. Relational rest. Be with the people you need to be with because they need you, right? Next one, mental rest. Think through, what is it that enables you to get rest in your mind, to get your head clear? Figure that out. A few years ago, I've told some of you this story, but a few years ago, I'm, I'm lying in bed with my wife and, and I, I'd, been, I'd just been having trouble, first time in my life, having trouble sleeping. Just my head was up. I just, I couldn't settle down. I was spinning and I was thinking about all of you. Thanks, you messed me up, right? I was just thinking about all your junk and the struggles and, and, and it was just a mess. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out, because it feels like as I read the scripture, there's sinful anxiety where it's I'm trusting myself, not you, God. And then there's the Apostle Paul had this anxiety for the churches, it said. And I'm thinking, I, I wanted to feel holy and say, that's probably what it is. But I don't know what it was. It was probably sinful. And my wife said, you know what, Josh? You need a hobby, that was one of the wisest things she ever said to me. She's like, all you do is church. You just do church all the time. You need to get your head out of church. You need, you need yourself a hobby. You run, right? 
Why don't you like really, you, you talk about running a marathon, why don't you run a marathon? And so, so I, I kind of got this hobby and started running. And I'm telling you, it has been such a gift. You need to find yourself a hobby perhaps. You need to do something to, to, to get that mental rest. For me, it's, it's so good. I come back, I'm a better husband, I'm a less stressed out dad, I think I'm a better pastor for it, I'm a better thinker for it because I, I don't have devices cluttering, I just think, I come back and I'm like, I got a sermon, two places, I go on a run and I take a shower and I come out and I got the sermon, it's amazing, it's a great, a great gift. I've heard it said this way for, with regards to mental rest, one of the best ways to get mental rest is to get tired doing something else. You exhaust yourself doing something else other than what it is that stresses you out all the time. And yeah, you might be physically tired, but you get mental rest. It's really, really good wisdom. Here, so, so spiritual rest, relational rest, mental rest, and, and then this other component here is physical rest. Physical rest. We, we've, got to get, we've got to get literal rest, which then leads to the, the next beat in the rhythm, and that is, first one is, uh, is, is uh, we need to, the gospel, we need to trust in the Lord, we need to get a vacation, and uh, we need to go away, we need the day, but this one is we need a night. You need, you need a night, and here's what I mean by that. You need sleep. You, anybody say amen to that, right? You, you need sleep. You need sleep. You are wired to sleep. Sleep is godly. Let me give you a Bible verse for that. This is going to be your favorite Bible verse, right? You're going to love this one. Psalm 127, 1 and 2. Here's what it says. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. That gets pretty literal and real with you right now, right? It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For here it is, he gives to his beloved sleep. God says to you, sleep. You like that? God says sleep. Solomon says here, if, if you're staying up all night and you're worrying about your house or your city or your domain, your business, whatever, you're stressed out. He says you are awake in vain because that is God's job. God's the one who, who, who watches over the city, who watches over the house, watches over your, your stuff, right? He says, if you're waking up early, 3, 4 a.m., and you are stressed out and you are anxious, he says, that's God's job. If you're staying up real late trying to save the world, you're taking God's job. That's, that's his job. Go to bed, right? You need to go to bed. Psalm 121, verse 4 says it this way. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep or slumber. So God stays awake so that you can go to sleep. God watches your city. God watches your house so you can go to sleep. You need sleep. In fact, there's a side note here. For, for some of us, late night can be dangerous time in terms of temptation. Everyone else is sleeping and you're up scrolling through the TV, scrolling on the internet. You're tired, you're weak. That's the time when temptation for pornography is really heavy. Temptation to get into stuff you shouldn't be getting into is really heavy. The best thing, the most holy thing you can do is go to bed. You need to get some sleep, right? In 1993, Congress commissioned the National Commission on Sleep Disorders. Got 235 sleep experts together, and they published this report, 1993. And, and here's, here's essentially what it says. This is a vast percentage of Americans are functionally handicapped, that's a strong word, are functionally handicapped by sleep deprivation. One in five suffer from a form of what they called stress-related insomnia. 
That was me. Stress-related insomnia. And what happens is we get hyped up and high. Literally, there's highs that are released from, from adrenaline so that we cannot sleep. You know the hardest night for me to sleep? Sunday nights. My wife doesn't, she's always like, I don't get that at all. You're up really early and you're running around. I'm like, I don't, I'm, it's adrenaline. I'm psyched up. I've just preached my heart out and I can't go to sleep. It's stupid. I just, I don't, it doesn't make any sense, right? So they're, they're saying staying up late is generally not good. The research also goes on to connect heart disease and type A people. <laughs> Hello? Generally, you're up too late. Or you're up too early, projects, challenges, working, worrying. The chemicals that your brain releases in stress is actually poison to your body. And the only way that you can flush out those chemicals, the only way to flush out those chemicals is through sleep. A good sleep is the only way to get, so you are poisoning your body. You got to get sleep to get rid of that stuff. You see the issues here? I I can't sleep, so I'll I'll just get up and, and, and do more work and and I'm stressed out, so I need to stay awake and do more work. And, and, and you're doing more of what you don't need and, and getting less of what you need. You need to go to sleep, right? Average American today sleeps 6.8 hours a night. Up until 1879, the average American got 11 hours of sleep a night. It's four to five hours difference. What's the difference? What happened? 1879, what changed? The invention of the light bulb. And now we can stay up later. And I would, I, would, I would love to see that research because that was a handful of years old. I'd love to see that research since this has become in everybody's bed. It's probably even less, right? Because we're staying up even later because not only we flip the lights off, but we flip this on. We got this glowing face. I remember the first time, oh, no, he didn't. When I was laying in bed with my wife and I turned on the iPhone in bed, that was like a handful of years ago, and she goes, what are you doing? I mean, it was bad news. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll stop that, right? It, it's, it's crazy, right? We need to go to sleep. And there's something about the position of sleep too. You're flat. You're prostrate. And as you read through the Bible, there's something about being flat and prostrate that was a posture of of worship. It was a posture of surrender to the Lord. Some of you this afternoon, you need to go home and continue worshiping Jesus by taking a nap. This is the best sermon ever, right? Some of you, this is, I love this sermon. Let's get more, please give me more, right? Okay. Last beat in the good rhythm. Wow, that I've never, man. Start waving my handkerchief right now. Last beat of a good rhythm. First, a step of faith. Second, a day. Third, a vacation. Fourth, a night. Last beat is a moment. A moment, devotion with the Lord. God wants us to take a day. He wants us to take vacation. He wants us to sleep at night and trust that he doesn't sleep and he'll be up taking care of our junk. But he also wants us to find moments throughout our day to pause, to breathe, to be still and know that I am God. Or other translations for still there will say cease striving. Stop and know that he's in control, right? Psalm 55, uh, 17, here's what it says. King David said, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. What were David's moments that he said, I'm pausing throughout the day? He says it's morning, it was noon, and it was in the evening. You look at Daniel, another high capacity leader that you read about in the Bible, same thing, three times a day. 
This is extremely important for these extremely important, extremely busy men. Three moments a day that I'm just going to pause and I'm going to be alone with God. Wasn't this just them? Jesus, Mark chapter 135, says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. I want to encourage you, schedule at least one moment, schedule one moment, one break per day at least, to be with God in prayer and studying the the Scriptures. This is a must. If Jesus, the Lord of all creation, needed it, we need it. We, we need it. Build this into your rhythms of pause. To be alone. To pause and to be with God. Maybe it's your lunch break at work. Get alone and be with God. Maybe, you, maybe everybody else gets their smoke break. You'll get your Jesus break on. I mean, I don't know. Do what you got to do, right? To be with God. Here's how I want to close out our, our pause series. I want to close out our pause series with, first with just a little bit of romance. You okay with a little bit of romance? All right, so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you anyhow. Uh, my first date with my now wife, I remember I was so nervous. I was so nervous, uh, to, to, uh, but I knew uh, there's something special about this girl. I'm going to ask her on a date. And so I, I remember I was going to the practice room where, where she was going to be coming out of because we, we both uh, were musicians. And so there was this practice room. I remember going up to the practice room. I was so nervous and I was ready to, I was, gonna, I, I was determined I'm going to ask this girl out on a date. I'm going to get some time with her. What if I went up to her and said, hey, uh, Becky, um, I'm Josh. We, we'd already met before, but um, would you, would you want to maybe go out sometime? And she says, yes, of course. And she said, yes. What if I was just like, Awesome. And then I just walked away, right? That would be ridiculous, right? You don't do that. You don't just, see, here's, here's the issue. A lot of us, we hear this and we say, amen, that is so good. I love all of that. I preach, that is, I'm in, right? But here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna walk away. Good intentions mean nothing. They mean nothing. You got a river guide in your hand? Some of you, flip it over, flip it over. Right now, like right now, flip it over. We're gonna move literally physically past good intentions. And on the back, it says notes right there. You got a lot of lines on purpose there. All right. So I, I didn't walk away. I said, uh, how about October 6th? I hear they're playing Shrek on the intramural field. I mean, that's romantic, right? Our first date was Shrek, the first dating myself. So we saw us some Shrek on the intramural field on a big projected screen. Made a date with this girl. And the rest is history. You got these lines on your paper. Here's what God, I think, is probably calling you to do. He's probably calling you like Leviticus chapter 25 with the the people of Israel. Hey, there's going to have to be some intentionality here. Like, you're going to have to figure out this whole, what do we do about mortgages, right? What do we do here? Uh, what about, what about the, the, I'm going to hire somebody to say, see you later in five weeks? I mean, you got to figure some stuff out. But it is so important to honor the Lord. To, it's so important for your soul that you will be better. You will get the upper hand, so to speak. People will look on and say, Why? what is it about them? And you get to say, the reason for the hope that I have is Jesus. And I pause and I don't feel like I have to strive to earn God's favor or anybody's approval because of what Jesus has done for me. And, 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 and I'm refreshed and I'm, I'm not stressed out all the time at work. I'm a joy to be around because... I took a day off. I took a good vacation. I didn't feel guilty about it 
because I knew that the God of the universe was going to keep the world spinning and, and the planets in orbit, even if I wasn't with my laptop open, right? God's in control, right? And so, so listen, we want to be practical. I want you to get practical, and I want you to think about your rhythms. I want you to schedule what you need to do. What is God calling you to do? That's the response today. Maybe on the back here, you need to write down one or two or three areas that, that, that you need to make some plans for. Shrek, intramural field, October 6th, 8 p.m. I, pretty good, I still remember that. You know how for a while you're celebrating your first date anniversary and then you get married and yeah. So maybe you need to do that. One, two, three areas. Maybe you don't take a day off. You need to find your day and rest and be with the Lord. Maybe you need to go home and get with your spouse and say, can, let's, can we, we need to put this vacation down because summer's come and gone and we didn't do it and we said we would. It's because you just said, yeah, we're going to do it and then you didn't open up your, your calendar. You, you need to get real practical. Maybe it's the, the I know, I, I have every intention to be uh, in the scriptures and in prayer every day, but you just, I just never do it. It's because you didn't, you didn't plan. You, maybe it's, I open up the Bible and I just, I don't know, and then I'm like, ah, it's, I don't know, whatever. You have to plan the, the who, what, when, where, why, right? Who? Jesus. I'm going on a date with you, Jesus. We're going to get some time together. What? What am I going to read? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into Luke. I'm going to jump into a proverb a day. Who? What? When? When am I going to do it? Is it going to be six in the morning? Is it going to be your lunch break? Your smoke break? I mean, when are you going to do it? Who? What? When? Where? Where am I going to do it? I'm, I got to, I got to, a chair, I got my coffee, and I sit there every single morning. My kids come down the stairs, uh, waking up early in the morning. They see dad right there. That's my spot, right? Who, what, when, where, and why? Why? Because he's your Lord. He died for you. He loves you. And, and, and when you're with him, you're, you, you're, you're rested and you're refreshed. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he says. Rest for your soul. So some of you, you need to nail down those beats, those rhythms. And then for others of us in here, before you jump to all of that, you gotta nail down the one beat. You gotta nail down that one beat because everything else without the one beat, you might be resting, but you're working while you're resting, Tim Keller, right? You need to nail that down. You need to stop striving. You need to say, you know what, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw my hands up and I'm gonna say, it's not me anymore, it's you. I trust in you. You are God and I am sinful and I just, everything I touch, it's just not, it's not leading me to your favor. It's, it's, it, it's chaotic. I trust in you. I am sinful, and, and I trust in what Jesus has done for me. And I want to turn from the sin of independence from you, and I just want to be completely dependent on you. That's what you need to do if you've never given your life to Jesus. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want to call you to that today and call out to Jesus in this moment and be made right with God. Would you guys close your eyes for just a moment? I want to lead us in a, a prayer of just response, if I can, while the band comes up. Here's how, here's how we respond. Again, some of us need to get really practical. And so just jot some initial thoughts down in a moment here. And others of us, we need to talk to God. But God, I pray for my friends in this room that they would, in this time, they would be led to, to respond how you're calling them to respond. God, I pray that we would be, myself included, re repentant of being stressed out and crazy all the time, and running frantic, 
and that we would just pause and trust that you've got it and that we would be a people who rest in you. And no shame rests regularly. And so God, I pray for my friends in this room that, that they would rest, and that they would get real practical with how they're going to rest. And Lord, if there's somebody in this room, and I know that there has to be in a, in a room this size, somebody who doesn't know Jesus has, has not taken that initial gospel pause and said, I, I'm not striving anymore. I'm trusting in what Jesus has done for me, that they would do that. Lord, may they respond to the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and it would change their lives. So I commit them to you, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.